everyone. My name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. This is a podcast where we talk about fanfiction. Each episode, the three of us each individually bring a fic to discuss. This episode is themed, and we'll talk about that theme a little bit later. But first, Brenna, what did you bring for this episode? Yeah, so my pick for this episode is called Living in My Memory, Living in My Mouth. It's by Tardigrade School. It's for the untamed, and because it's me, the pairing is Long Wan Ji Wei Wuxian. Uh, it's sort of a modern, with cultivation, uh, college, university, AU. Reed, what's yours? My fic is All the Days They Got Short by Remages. It is for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and it is a gen fic. Nick, what is your pick this time around? Yes, my pick for this episode is called Paint by Numbers by BayHJ2915. It is a Critical Role campaign one fic. It is Grog-centric. The pairing is technically like Grog and Pike and Grog and Scanlan, but Pike and Scanlan are very much together in this fic. It is a post-campaign one, very kind of domestic, uh, where, where are they now fic from Grog's POV that I'm very excited to talk about. Longtime ficlets, the true ficlets who have diligently listened to every episode of this podcast <laughs> with are, equal amounts of tender we, care. Why do we gatekeep ficlets every episode know, of this podcast? Like, oh, if you're a true ficlet, you've listened to all these episodes. Hey, if you're new, welcome. <laughs> We're so excited in. to have you. Um, no matter how long you have been here, you may or may not be familiar with um, episode 16 uh, titled Who's Spit in Her Cereal? Ooh, that's mm, that is a choice that I made titling that episode. Anyway, um, if you listen to that one, you might be familiar that we tried to give ourselves a challenge. Um, everyone has different preferences when it comes to reading fic. We've made that clear on the pod. Um, all of us have, you know, like different tropes that we like to read maybe more than others. Um, and so a challenge that we set out for um, many, many episodes ago was we wanted to pick a fic with a trope or tropes that we didn't normally read. Um, and we were like, hey, it's been like a year since we've done that episode. Like we can totally do that theme again and we will definitely be better at it and it will mm-hmm. be much easier to find fix mm-hmm. because we have a whole year's worth of podcasting experience. We have so much experience. We're literally like the fic click hosts. If anyone can yeah. find fic. It's us. It's us. <laughs> we, were like, we were so confident. We were like, we've got this. We learned from our mistakes last time. Uh-huh. Uh, like this won't be a problem at all. Uh-huh. Cue the clown music. Um, <laughs> Yeah. We do love to make things difficult for ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're trying to keep things, like, fun and interesting. Like, we try to, we like doing a balance of sort of, like, unstructured and structured episodes. Um, And I do think it is fun, like, when we sort of put different, like, search parameters up for ourselves. Like, instead of just sort of wildly going through anything in our marked for laters or whatever. Um, But as it turns out, when you don't normally read a trope, it's hard to find fix that you want to read for that trope. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because I feel like not only is it tropes that we don't normally read, but it, like for me at least, it's like tropes that you often will actively avoid. Yeah, mm-hmm, like what mm-hmm. are you filtering out on Ao3? Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. what if we what filtered if it, was, like, it in? Your friend is like, "Oh, I have this great fic wreck," and you're like, "Oh yeah. my god, yeah!" And then they get to like one trope in particular, and like mentally, you're like, "Oh, well, I guess I'm not gonna read that mm-hmm, after mm-hmm. all." Yeah, what if we did that, and then instead of being like, "I don't want to read this." 
We said, mm-hmm. let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, I hope this is very apparent, but just to be clear, this is in no way, like the fix we brought are not like, oh, I think this is a bad fix. Like, no, we all very much liked the fix that we brought. And this is not a judgment on people who like the tropes. Like, even amongst the three of us, like last time, mm-hmm. Brenna brought amnesia fic and was like, I normally don't like this. And Nick was like, I normally really like this. I love every time we do this challenge now because they bring <laughs> fix that like are for me. I love it. It's my dream. So just to say, like, this is obviously not any sort of like judgment or critique on the tropes themselves or people who read them. Um, just talking about our personal preferences. Mm-hmm. So for this challenge episode, the I picked honestly like kind of a few tropes. I was very proud of myself. I feel like I kind of nailed it this time, not to brag. Um, I am someone who generally would rather weep than go like, ah, at a fic. <laughs> it's the best way I can think of to put it. Um, so I am someone who tends to avoid like domestic fluff or like curtain fic or like, oh, this is so sweet and happy and they're making a family and it's beautiful. Um, in that same vein, don't really tend to read anything that centers or like describes pregnancy or anything like that. So that's like what this fic is. Um, yeah, so last time we did this, I picked, um, I tried to pick enemies to lovers and we all know how that went. Um, like, were they really ever enemies? No. Um, so I failed pretty hard. So I was like, never again. Like, I'm going to do this right. And I had a lot of tropes in mind, actually, as I was thinking. But I decided, since we wanted it to be like a trope you don't usually read, but a fic you did enjoy, um, I went through my bookmarks and I was like, do I have anything in here? Um, so a lot of my bookmarks on AO3 are kind of similar stuff of like, okay, we're processing grief again. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, sounds good. Hold on, Nick, we're not at my fake discussion yet. <laughs> me, making your bookmarks sound like a really fun place. <laughs> Someone in the server recently was like, does anyone have any fun fix for this uh, canon? And I was going through it and my bookmark comments on all the things for that fandom were like, oof, suffer, like crying emojis. <laughs> I was like, okay, edgelord, <laughs> like calm down. <laughs> Um, but I did find this one and I was like, wait, I really liked this. Um, and I was surprised because I was like, yeah, this is not like my usual thing. So I was excited to have found something past me did me a solid um going through and i i can speak for myself in the past as well as i think my hosts but going out into the wild and trying to find something that you don't usually like but you find to find something that you will like with stuff that you don't usually like it's not easy um so i was very excited that my work was a little bit less this time and i'm not sure why i didn't just do this last time honestly but that's okay i'm counting it as a win Yeah, I did not find mine in my bookmarks. Um, (laughs) I kind of struggled with finding mine, in fact. So, okay, last time we did this challenge, I also did a kind of poor job. Um, I thought I did a better job than, like, I guess I really did. (laughs) I was, like, convinced my pick was fine, and my co-hosts were like, you clown, this is not it at all. And I was like, oh... (laughs) Um, so this time I was like, I really want to do a better job. Did I do a perfect job? No, but I did a better job, I think. So I would agree with that. You know, we're improving over here. <laughs> um, the trope that I decided to pick for like the trope I usually don't really like or kind of avoid, but like liked in this fic was a college or university AU. Um, that's not to say I have never read any that I like. Like clearly we did like student prints on this pod and like 
that's a college AU that I love. Um, but I do think I'm pretty picky about them and tend to not really want to click on them unless they like come highly recommended or there's some element of it that's like a little bit more intriguing to me. Um, I will say like, before I went to college myself, I was much more open to reading them. <laughs> I think having my own lived college experience did contribute to me kind of being picky and like there being certain things that I don't really like reading in college AUs. Um, so yeah, I was really struggling to find one and I did have to ask on Twitter for recommendations and a lot of lovely friends, including some fellow ficlets, uh, did offer me recommendations. So the one I ended up going with was actually a rec from our friend of the pod, Cassie. Thanks, Cassie. Um, appreciate you. <laughs> I was having a bad time. <laughs> um, yeah, so this one does include a couple other like trope elements that I really do like. And I think that that's kind of what I've learned from this challenge is that like, oftentimes in order to enjoy a trope that I usually don't like or like kind of avoid, if it's mixed in with tropes I really do like or am more interested in, then it will often work for me. So like this one has a sort of a reincarnation element and that's something I usually really enjoy. It has sort of like modern cultivation, which I think is really cool. I haven't read a ton of fics with it, but like I've been reading more recently and I think they're really interesting or like a really interesting space for authors to play in. So I like those elements of it and I think that kind of helped balance some of the like just straight up college <laughs> elements for me um also like in this fic a lot of their college experience that's like depicted is like them studying them going to class like kind of more like banal uh -huh. college stuff which felt a lot more realistic to like my college experience than fics that are just like and we party every day which like they do go to par a couple parties in this like I'm not saying I never went to parties in college like I definitely did <laughs> don't but, get like, the wrong idea Ficklitz Brenna was super idea. cool yeah I was super cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but just like my school was a pretty academic focused school I think overall and like a lot of what they were doing in this and like working on their big kind of senior project essentially um felt more realistic to like my college experience which I think I enjoyed it in this but like also kind of brings up some problems so we'll get into that when we get to my fic a little bit more but um yeah that's sort of the route I took to finding this one Reed how about you yeah um before I get into mine I do want to say I find it really funny like yesterday the three of us were chatting about this mm -hmm. and Brenna was like yes like my college experience was like such and such and I never want to read about this and that and I was like "Ooh, what you just described was almost exactly my college experience not exactly but like <laughs> sorry Reed uh you know my school was heavily focused on academics and also like it was pretty typical to go out and drink a bunch <laughs> like three two to three nights a week um <laughs> And Brenna was like, yeah, I'm sorry if your, like, if your college experience was a book, I would stop reading it. And that was rude. So uh, wow. Understandable, but rude. That on air. <laughs> yeah, that it was, was pretty rude. Funny. Anyway, um, for my own searching, um, I, similarly to Brenna, was really struggling in part because, um, quite honestly, doing this pod has changed a lot of things that would have previously been on a, like, not going to read this list to like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Like if you had asked me even maybe a year ago, like, or if you'd wrecked me like a major character death fic, I probably would not have read it. Um, but then like we did our major character death episode for Nicole's birthday last year. And like, it was really good. And also like, I, 
have we I think we've all gotten a little desperate sometimes searching for fix for finklish it's like oh god it's the day before recording and I'm just gonna read anything and so you'll just you'll just be scrolling through tags of things you never thought you'd end up on uh which is to say that I've really sort of like brought into my horizons and so the fic that I brought um my I, the, the main trope for me that I brought that is a trope I almost never read is not only an outsider POV, but an OC outsider POV. This is also tagged for major character death, which like, do I get points for that one? Like maybe half points, maybe yeah, half like points. one quarter points. But <laughs> like it is tagged major character death. But yeah, that used to be a trope I would pretty much never read. And now like, no, it's not something I seek, but it's not really something I avoid. So I was really struggling because like, I obviously, like, have preferences in fic, but for a while when I was, like, thinking, I was, like, I don't know, like, all of my hard no's I can think of are either, like, major archive warnings or, like, NSFW-specific stuff, and I was, like, that's not, that's not anything. <laughs> like, it's um, hard. Yeah. yeah. So I was, like, I was, like, struggling to think of things, and, like, I had a couple different fics I was, like, reading through that I was, like, this is, like, okay, but, like, you know, like, uh, does it really, like, is it really, like, an example of this trope? Like, would this really count? Would this really work? And then I was actually just, like, walking around my neighborhood on the phone with Nick and out of nowhere had a brain blast about this fic <laughs> that I yes. read um, when we went, like, like two years ago or something. We went on our um, our first FicClick annual business retreat. Yes, our um, retreat. Where we did see friend of the pod, Cassie, hey. who wrecked me this fic. <laughs> so... I don't know why I thought you were gonna say friend of the pod, my mom, but <laughs> true. Well, also, yes, we did see we did see mom of the pod, Brenna's mom. Not as relevant yeah. to the story, but it is the truth. Well, I guess I read that. So Cassie had wrecked this fic, and I read it while we were staying in Brenna's house, oh. where Brenna's mom was also there. So okay. I guess this does. I guess <laughs> I she guess. ties in. Hi, I know you're probably listening. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I out of nowhere had a brain blast. I was like, oh, this fic that is like definitely not a fic I think I would have picked up otherwise. And I ended, I I remembered really enjoying it. I hadn't read it in like two years. So I was like, I don't know. Uh, it held up phenomenally. I was really glad to read it again. But yeah, I, yeah, the process of trying to do this again was challenging, not just for the ways of like, oh, I need to read something I typically don't like, but I was like, well, mm -hmm. what do I even not like? And then how yeah. do I find an example of that that both is emblematic of that trope, but also I enjoy reading. Yeah, I was sitting with that too of like my, I have, I only have a couple like hard no's. Um, and those are like <laughs> things that would like be detrimental to my emotional health to read yeah. kind of a situation. Like, yeah. so that's, it's kind of hard to figure out like, hmm. Not that I didn't do an incredible job this episode because I did, but right. it was still difficult, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. Like, it is my my big hardest, like, absolute no's are things I'm not going to, like, I'm also not going to put myself through reading a bunch of it yeah. for this pod. And I also don't think I would find something that I would like with those because they're, like, hard no's yeah. for me. They're things I yeah. don't have. It's not just like, oh, I don't really like that trope or, like, oh, I'm tired of it or, like, oh, these things bother me about it. It's like, mm, mm hmm, like, triggering. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say, I think... I think Nick did the best job of the three of us. I oh, think I did you. a decent job. I also think Brenna did a better job than she did last time. <laughs> thank you. But when she picked this, she was like, ooh, I think I did better, but I think you guys might clown me again. Yeah, and I was true. like, ooh, Brenna, I'm going to clown you a little. <laughs> like, Okay. Permission to clown, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I lose points because major character death again. Like, mm -hmm. sort of, Everybody yes, loves it. 
Mm. I meant like, well, is this fic major character no. death? Like, it technically is, but also like sure. hand wavy. And again, like, it's not. It's not like a thing I would actively avoid in the same way. So like, eh. but like, I think pretty solid on the like. I never read outside POVs. I certainly mm-hmm. never read OC outside POV. Mm-hmm. Is Brenna's fic a University AU? Yeah, for like a little bit, and then then so much other stuff goes on that it's like they're still college. They're still in college. Yeah, but like, what is happening to their senior thesis? They just don't talk about it. That's okay. They're too busy being reincarnated or remembering that they're reincarnated. Spoiler horn. Sorry, my God. Um, I would just like to say in my defense, like, yes, I will take the clowning. Like, I did set, also say when I brought it that, like, I think I did a better job, but it's also is all of these other things as well as the actual trope. But I would like to say, yes, Reed, yours is character death. Is he a major character in the mm-hmm. fic? I would debate that point. Ooh. Are you about to fight Get with him. AO3 user remages? Are you about to tell them they tagged their fic wrong, Brenna? No, oh I'm fighting with you. <laughs> it's tagged for major character death. Well, yeah, I can understand that because he's a major character in the fandom. So, like, and, like, you want to be better safe than sorry in terms of tagging on AO3. But, but not like, when you're hosting Fit Click. He's not, like, the main character <laughs> of the Fit. Better sorry here. than safe is what we always say. <laughs> I would also like to say, Nick, I do think you did an incredible job. I did, in my brain, think that you pitched this to us as child kid fic child which fic. Child fic. <laughs> that classic <term. laughs> as like kid fic child it's sort of kind of it's tangential so that's what i kind of had in my brain reading it and i was like what but in terms of like domestic and fluff yes yeah. you you Thank knocked you. it out of the park well why don't we get into our fic discussions and let the ficlets weigh in <laughs> <Yes>. on <laughs> how well they think we followed our challenges So my fic for this episode, uh, as mentioned previously, is Living in My Memory, Living in My Mouth. It's by Tardigrade School. Uh, it is for The Untamed, and the pairing is Long Wanji, Wei Wuxian, or as they really go by in this fic, Lan Zhan and Wei Ying. Um, it is a modern setting fic. Uh, it's like modern with cultivation, like they are, like the cultivation world still exists, but is kind of um dying out a little bit not that many people are like still practicing necessarily or like full-time practitioners um it's also a college university setting so they're both students at an unnamed school they're seniors one of the things that they're working on is like a final project for their uh, cultivation degrees essentially um and that brings us to the third trope which is reincarnation au um they don't know this at the beginning, but they are basically themselves from hundreds of years ago. <laughs> Congratulations, boys. <laughs> Their texts are like from like the Yiling Patriarch and like Long Wanji of hundreds of years ago. Um, and they're like, wow, all these funny coincidences. Yeah, they're, they're there for a reason, actually. <laughs> you'll, you'll come to realize that. Um, one thing I did want to say towards the beginning of this discussion is that this is like a modern setting fic. It is ostensibly set in modern day China, but there is sort of a lot of ambiguity going on. And the author does note that they are American and that it's been influenced by like Western academia. And I do think that's pretty visible in some of the college settings. There have been conversations, especially in C-drama fandom and sometimes in like K-pop fandom as well, uh, regarding sort of fics like this that have modern settings, 
things like University AUs um, that kind of struggle with uh, issues of cultural erasure. Um, I think it's really important for us to be aware of this and it's the responsibility of like American fans like me and Western and international fans at large to do the research, to put the time and care into uh, making sure that the characters retain their culture and their fix, whether it's canon, whether it's an AU. Um, I'm not in the position to say like this fic did enough or like this fic didn't do enough. I do think it falls into some of the patterns that have been critiqued in terms of sort of creating an ambiguous setting that has western influence um and i think that that's just something that we need to be aware of when talking about fan fiction especially for some of these fandoms like the untamed uh and you know it's on all of us to kind of continue to uh work through our like inherent like own lived experiences of like i went to like a california university like yeah i could relate to the school in this because a lot of the terms they used like were western academic terms but again that kind of also plays into some issues with like the fact that these characters are Chinese and are supposed to be in China. So I also want to make it clear this is not like an attack on this author by any means. It's just a conversation that's been happening in this fandom and I wanted to address it and acknowledge it and kind of put it out there that I think it's really important for fans to be aware of as they're contributing to these fandoms and making fan works for them. Um, but yeah, please like don't go be mean to this author <laughs> or anything like that. That's really not what we're about on this podcast. Um, yeah, <clears throat> but we are about trying to be aware of the conversations happening in fandom at large and to hold ourselves accountable where we can uh, for our own like positionality in fandom and in the world. So yeah, that's sort of my disclaimer <laughs> on this fic, but also more just like this type of AU uh, in fandoms like The Untamed. Um, so yeah, just I think food for thought for everyone um, and something to be aware of if you read this fic as well. Uh, but this fic also does a lot of things really well, and I really enjoyed it, obviously, otherwise I wouldn't have brought it to this pod. So now we're going to get into all the things I did like. All right, so I know I've been talking for a while, but you just, you get more of me. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> it's me. Everyone wants more Brenna time. Um, yes. Yeah, of course. All right, so I think we've already kind of gotten into like the premise of it, why I came to choose this fic, uh, and then also some of the struggle between like me being able to relate to it because of these Western aspects versus like this being a fic that's set in like a modern cultivation world with these Chinese characters. Um, but I think, yeah, I want to get into some of the thing other things I really liked about this fic. Uh, I found it very charming, the sort of element of them reading all of these texts that, that them from before had written without knowing about it. Uh, there's all these letters that like Long Wan Ji wrote in the past to Wei Wuxian after he died um, that are incredibly romantic and I really want to get into them. That was like one of the things that really sealed the deal for me in enjoying this fic and wanting to bring it. Um, I also like even though we debated how much this fits the college university trope, I do think it hits a lot of the points that I think of as like that I think of as big in what makes like a college AU feel like a college AU for me. Um, like the little checklist essentially of like what goes into a fic like that. So, you know, I think it does bring a lot of those to the table, even if it also brings a lot of other stuff to the table. Um, but yeah, before we get like too far into it, I am curious to hear what my co-hosts thought uh, and their reactions. I wonder what content warnings there might be for this oh. work of fan fiction. Yeah, good question. <laughs> I would love to share those with you. <laughs> In terms of content warnings for this fic, uh, the big one would be that in chapter two, uh, Wei Ying has to go to the hospital and there is some like off screen surgery and like medical issues. Um, the other one would just be for canon stuff. So they are reading these texts written by 
them themselves prior and they do know that their like previous selves died so it's sort of like past off-screen character death as well um but i think the only one that's like really pretty present um especially if you're familiar with canon and okay with canon is the uh medical situation yeah i okay yes i clowned you a little bit yes i do totally think this is a university au i just need to (laughs) be clear um you can clown me i i understand i'll clown you a little but i also deserve to be clowned a little so like it it goes both ways um (laughs) i really liked this fic I feel like quite often on this pod, I say, yeah, like, you didn't need to know canon to enjoy it. Um, so, I d- <laughs> so I don't know canon, but we mm-hmm. have done a couple of Untamed fics, and Brenna did write, like, an eight or nine page primer the first time we read an Untamed fic. So I was like, cool, I totally have the knowledge I need <laughs> to read this fic. And I will say, once again, I did have a great time reading it. But, like, all of my early notes were me going, like, Brenna, help, Brenna, SOS, like, Brenna, I remember so much less of this canon than I thought I did. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry, Reed. No, you're fine. I mean, I wasn't lost. It wasn't like there were so many references to the Untamed canon that, like, I was so pulled out of the fic or whatever. It was just, like, they would either be, like, reading, the like, the Ealing Patriarch's journal, or they would have these really vivid dreams that were sort of, like, memories of their past lives, things like that. And, like, with those, I frequently was like, well, do I know who the Wens are? No. Do Did I think that Ayuan and Shizwei were two different people? Yes. And you know what? We are just doing our best. So I also, okay, I also thought, like, I thought that they, like, had the end of the show happened and then they, like, went separate ways and, like, then the Longwanji of the past, like, just, like, died, like, 16 years later. But actually, as it turns out, that the past lives they were remembering is only, like, the first half of the canon. <laughs> Brenna had to draw me, like, a whole yeah. timeline on Zoom yesterday <laughs> and, like, it was really funny. Um, I got her to send me a picture of it afterwards and, yeah, like, it is not legible. <laughs> no. But it did make sense when you were drawing it out for me. So, ooh, was I firmly rooted in, like, their histories? No. But did I have a great time reading this? Yes. Um, every time I read an Untamed fic, I love to rediscover the fact that I simply am unhinged. Um, I don't know what it is about these two, but like it can turn any amount of fiction into the slowest slow burn. This fic is only like, I don't know what, like 30, 32K. 30 yeah. So like it's, you know, it's like a decent sized fic, but it's not like, I would think slow burn is like 50K or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, I spent this whole time like rattling the bars of my cage. At some point, <laughs> I am going to have to search how many times I talked about my gourd while reading this fic because folks, I didn't have one. It's gone. <laughs> um, I also have found like in every fic that we've read, like Wei Ying is always really funny. He always like, I always laugh out loud for something that he says or does. Um yeah, I really like this. Also, the way that the reincarnation went was different than I was expecting. Um, I don't want to get too much into it now because I'm sure we'll get into the plot stuff later. But like, yeah, it went in a, it went in a different direction a little bit that I thought was pretty fun. Um, so yes, did I feel a little bit clownish when Brenna had to explain things to me? Maybe, but I'm having a good time. You shouldn't though, because again, like I will also say, in the previous fix that we read, I didn't really spend that much time explaining like the detailed timeline of the story because we really focused more on like their relationship beats of the story and this one I think is kind of confusing in that there's just a lot of like kind of references back to like plot points while we're not like necessarily like in them or experiencing them uh so I think it does sort of rely on some 
knowledge of the canon to be able to kind of place those things in your mind as you're reading it, uh, which I hadn't really thought about. I was like, yeah, you know, they're not even in canon, really. Like, they're just in love. It'll be <laughs> fine. But but it is kind of confusing when there is, like, a lot of references to, like, like the journals that they're reading are from uh, Wei Ying or, like, Wei Wuxian's time in the burial mounds. Um, so, like, that's kind of a specific plot point on the timeline of the untamed um and i think like knowing kind of when some uh, events happen in relation to that is kind of important <laughs> so i do apologize reed i could have given you some more context before that's okay i got the context after and then it helped slot everything else into place i think i had two advantages over reed in reading this fic and the first is that last december i read hundreds of thousands of words of fan fiction for the untamed a show I still have never seen, and likely never <laughs> will. And then second is that when I read fic like this especially, I feel like, do y'all know those rides at like a water park where you're in an inner tube and then you just kind of go down? Like conceptually, yes. I don't know that I've like, yeah. been in one. Yeah. Oh, they're fun. Um, So it felt like I was in one of those. And then, yeah, sometimes I'm taking a turn too hard and like swimming <laughs> into the side of the thing. But like I move on quickly and I'm still having a good time. So like that's how I tend to move through parts I don't understand. Yes, I think as sort of previously established on this podcast, I am definitely the most prone of the three of us to stop reading in the middle of a fic to go look up things. But I didn't even attempt it with this one. I was like, I'm not going to go Google Sunshot campaign because I'm going to make myself more confused than when I started. Yeah. Wild horses could not drag me away usually, so. Uh. <sighs> okay. <laughs> what? Nothing. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yes, I did really enjoy this fic. I do agree. If you haven't been pining over multiple lifetimes, it's not slow burn enough. Like, slow it down. <laughs> Come yeah. on. Uh, I'm talking hundreds of years or bust. Um, otherwise it's just too fast, I think, personally. <laughs> um, yes, as a person who uh, in many past fandoms has quite enjoyed university AUs, I did like many of the university aspects here, and it is a trope that I generally enjoy. Um, I really liked just like, oh, their getting together story was so pretty. This fandom knows how to write romance. <laughs> uh huh. Like, wow, I really felt it. Um, I'll talk more later about specific scenes that I really liked, but I really was like, wow, I'm feeling human emotions right now. And I love to do that personally. So that was exciting. Um, agree. The ending was really interesting to me. I thought the epilogue was hilarious and a lot of fun. And I'm really glad that it was tacked on there. Um, I had no idea what it was going to be when it was like, and there's an epilogue next. And I was like, okay, what is going to happen? Uh, but it was wonderful. So yeah, I mean, overall, like really enjoyable, reading experience for me yeah so we kind of mentioned that like basically they're doing like work on this senior thesis or project of some sort for their like cultivation degrees that they're both working on um and they decide to kind of work together to uh translate these texts from Langwanji of old and the yiling patriarch um which, like, Wei Ying has kind of magically been able to decipher due to a neat little code uh, that uses his name. And he's like, wow, what a neat coincidence. It says, like, only <laughs> Wei Ying can, like, translate this. And, like, I'm also Wei Ying. How funny is that? Um, but 
basically they both end up reading the other person's like ancient texts. So uh, Wei Ying of this reads the letters that like Long Wanji wrote to Wei Wuxian uh, hundreds of years ago. And like to address Reed's point about kind of like the confusion on the timelines uh, in the like, this does tweak the original canon so that, like, when Wei Wuxian dies, he doesn't come back, and Long Wanji, like, dies 16 years after that. Um, so, like, they're not reunited in canon, but he is, like, writing letters to, like, Wei Wuxian during those years after his death. Um, these letters are very romantic and really, uh, hurt me. <laughs> um... <laughs> I particularly like the last one that he writes where he's sort of talking about going back out on the road. Um, and he writes like, uh, Wei Ying, I will write to you from the road. In my weaker moments, I'm sure I will pretend we may meet up in my travels and go together for a time. Be well. And I was like, I'm going to actually hurl myself off a cliff. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for coming. Uh, good night. But... Yeah, I just really like these. I think, like, a lot of Untamed fic uses, like, epistolary styles and has a lot of letters being written between them. Um, letters are just, like, an inherently good vehicle for romance, I think. I thought um, you were going to say letters, like, writing letters is inherently queer, in which case it's going to be like, yes! <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, but I think also just, like, I think of letters as very romantic. I think a lot of people do, and, like, I think they're a good vehicle in, in uh, fiction to express sort of like these romantic sentiments um and so all of these that like he's writing to Wei Wuxian like with this combination of like knowing he's never gonna read them but like still writing them anyway and then Wei Ying of the future reading them for real hurts me deeply um I one of our friends and fellow ficlets Jesse also read this fic and then was like texting me about it um and we were talking about the letters and sort of this idea of like writing a letter either like you expect the person to read it or you don't expect the person to read it but then when a, what about when you don't expect the person to read it and then they do read it but you like didn't even ever think it was possible and like not in a to all the boys I loved oh my letters got accidentally sent <laughs> oh, kind no. of way oh no like in a this person was dead so I didn't think they were gonna read them kind of way it's a fair assumption um but yeah, I think that was just, like, overall one of my favorite parts. And, like, it's also really funny because after he finishes reading this, like, final letter uh, that they have in, like, the archives from Long Wanji, he, like, Wei Ying of the present texts Jung Chung and is like, um, so, like, what if I'm in love with this, like, 40-year-old ancient man who's dead? <laughs> <laughs> and it's all just very good. I really like them, like, kind of realizing, like, their feelings for each other and, like, through these letters and like texts that their ancient selves like wrote about each other I don't know I really liked it I think one thing I liked about it too was that there was an alternating POV and they were reading they were each reading letters from like the other person or like reading mm -hmm. material from the other person which was so cool um I loved that you have weighing who's like oh you think the the dealing patriarch and Han Guangjun were like, uh? <laughs> and Lan Chan was like, I don't know. And then later, you know, they get their memories back and they're like, ooh, awkward. Uh, mm -hmm. Spoiler horns. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> we already spoiled that plot point. Um, I just think it's so, like, it's very spectating your own funeral in a kind of way of, like, you get this really bizarre outsider POV that you never could or even like really should have gotten on your own life and your own relationships so I thought that was fascinating too of like oh they were in love and then realizing like oh it was us and we didn't know that we were in love actually I just really like that aspect of it yeah it's interesting because like 
when I first read like the concept that like Long Wenji had all of these unsent letter or like unread letters to uh Wei Wuxian of the past and like ooh they're about to like the current thems are about to read it I was like oh my god and I do think the letters were really good and I definitely agree about the like inherent tender romanticism of them um and like of like letter writing in general I do think it maybe like hit me less than my co-hosts um and I do think in part that is back to what I was saying that like a lot of I mean, the letters and, and the reading of the Ealing Patriarch's book, like, or journal, is rooted in the canon that I did not know. And, like, no, I mean, you don't need to know it to, like, get the romance out of it. But I think, like, the parts that I felt most connected to were the Lanjan and Wei Ying of the present. Um, but, you know, then I had a bit where, like, one of the letters that, or one of the things in uh, Wei Wuxian's journal is, like, how he's talking about how he didn't teach, like, Ayuan to, like, write like, he didn't tell him Lan Zhan's name. He told him um, Lang Wanji. And he goes, I think hoarding your birth name for myself puts me on a completely new level. I am not a jealous man. Kiss anyone you like. Marry them. Fuck them. But keep your name for me. Um, woo. The note I have for that one is, Gord lost. Gord in another galaxy. Gord gone missing and I am not putting up posters for it. <laughs> Which, um, I do, I do just want to quickly, yeah, let me just do a little control F. Okay. Uh, yes, Gord mentioned nine times. Okay, wait, uh, one, of, one of the mentions was not for this fic. Eight times. Um, in increasing, all of all of the references to being out of my Gord were just something about them being romantic or the slow burn uh-huh. or something. So I have, um. so good. Oops, there goes my Gord, folks. Then all capitals, no Gord. Uh, then, then I had, again, all capitals, the Gord lost Gord in another galaxy. Ooh, then we had... Gord, colon, smashed into a million little pieces at my feet. I don't think that's what happens to Gord's, but whatever. It's mine and I can lose it however I so please. Uh-huh. And I need to clarify because my co-hosts were confused. I meant that, like, Gord's do not smash into millions of little pieces. Right. I don't think that's how Gord's smash. Mm-hmm. I know they do. I was just wondering if there was some, like, common, like, folk knowledge or something of, like, <laughs> what Gord's do. No, I just think, like, if you were writing a metaphor about Gord's, smashing to a million little pieces is not the way that you'd write it. Uh, and the last one I have, um, when they have remembered everything and are finally getting together when Lanjan goes, I think that I love Wei Ying in every lifetime. I think I am built that way. I said, again, all capitals, no more gourds at the market, folks. All sold out. And that is just how I felt about this fic pretty much all the way through. Oh my god. Can I talk about the moment in this fic that made me feel like my gourd had been stolen by a thief? Yes, please. Okay. Literally, I was reading it, and there's a point at which, you know, you you mentioned them having really vivid dreams. For the most part, they are, like, nightmares of, like, pretty horrific things that happened, I guess, during canon. Um, Yeah. Or, like, this version of canon, like, this particular timeline. Um, Yeah, I think it's canon and, like, kind of, like, also nightmares within the Like, they're not always mm. strictly canon. It's, like, things that could have happened in canon that, like, are freaking them out and stuff. I I think, but, like... It's, like, the weighing of the past is having a nightmare. But then the weighing of the present is experiencing that nightmare. But a lot of it is canon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's that part. Um, and he wakes up and he is living with Lanjan at that time because um, his living situation was very bad. Um, and or like s- sleeping at his apartment, at least. And he wakes up and Lanjan is like, hello. Not in this voice, I assume. <laughs> um, but he- <laughs> hello, you seem so sad. <laughs> Do you want me to braid your hair? And then Wing is like, okay, you could braid my hair. And it made me feel so hardcore. Like I was going to go um, get into a fight with someone or like, you know, enter the boxing ring or something. 
Okay, I know that you have beef with the fact that Brenna and I described you to a mutual friend as very soft, but, like, you cannot rebrand yourself like this. It's not going to work. Like, it's not a rebrand. Everyone knows I'm really hardcore. You just actively lie to people on the internet all the time, and they believe you so often. And I, if you want to do it on your own personal Twitter, that's fine, but this is a podcast with the three of us. Just because I have a sweet face doesn't mean that I'm soft. Okay, that aside... I did have a lot of emotions about this moment. Um, yeah, wow. Shocking. The hurt comfort moment is the one that got me the most in this <laughs> thing. But like, oh, it was just so sweet and like good. And like the added tension of them not having confessed feelings to each other, but like very clearly having feelings for each other. And at this point in the fic, we've seen it in both their POVs. I was just like, oh my God. Just kind of um, allowing my gourd to be stolen, you know. And going back to the university setting of it, like, they're getting together or like they're developing feelings for each other in the modern day was really sweet. And I really liked a lot of the moments that were written into that. Um, It's got a lot of really like classic beats in their relationship with them. Like they like meet at a party and like they're the only ones there who are like fully sober. And like that's sort of like I think a very classic um fan fiction like university thing where it's like oh you're at a party and you're the only two who blank and that blank can be like a number of different things but it's always like oh there's some reason that like you meet or you're introduced by your friends or whatever um we love we love a good meeting at a college party moment we love a good like starting to have classes together and like realizing you're in a bunch of the same classes and then like getting seats next to each other and then starting to bring each other like snacks and foods and everything and like treats from your sister's bakery and like (laughs) It was just all very sweet and I think it was paced really well and that was a lot of what I liked about kind of like it felt like a lot of normal college things that I think like if you're in college you're going to class like you have someone you sit next to maybe you've become friends like those things are I think as far as I know a universal college experience. Um, So I really liked all of those beats then like you know there has to be something that has them get closer like Weying sort of has a medical crisis in this and Lon John's the one who like takes him to the hospital and then waits with him while his family comes and stays with him overnight and it's all very sweet and there's sort of the housing crisis element too where like Weying needs somewhere to stay and he like stays with Lon John for a night and I think that's another thing that I often think of either in college fix or fix just where people are in their sort of like early 20s it's often like kind of tenuous and maybe bad housing situations that then lead to like oops gotta stay on my couch oops gotta stay in my bed like <laughs> I think all of those moments for me I don't know, they just worked well in this fic, but I think also were kind of what contributed to, like, the feeling of, yeah, this is a university fic. Um, I also really liked, towards the end, uh, they go to, like, Cloud Recesses, which still exists in this world and is still, like, Lon John's family home, um, along with, like, the other existing lawns. Um, And, like, ostensibly they go to, like, check out the big archival library that they have, but it's also, like, come see where I grew up and like it's just I liked it a lot I did think it was very funny (laughs) they like are looking through all the like archives that the like Lon family still has and they find a portrait of the like original Long Wan Ji and they're like oh my god he looks exactly like you and I just thought it was really funny that like I guess this Lon Chan never like looked up his namesake (laughs) before (laughs) and realized that he was the spinning image of him but it was a really cute moment, so. 
Yeah, and wasn't it really cute how Long Wanji, sorry, Long Zhan plays Wuji, and that's the thing that makes them remember. <laughs> yeah, wait, it was really cute. Were, it was really cute and it like so fine, cute. and I feel really fine and normal about it. And then yeah. afterwards, we when, all feel really like, fine and normal about Wuji all the time. Read God. Yeah, and then when Long Zhan is like holding his like Wei Wuxian's Wei Ying, the same person at this point, his face, and he's like, "You can't die on me again. Like I can't bear it twice." And I said, "Ooh, I have." So so many normal feelings about the fact that you said that okay anyway <laughs> i'm excited to um have to edit this part of the audio and bring my side down like just so the volume's got to be lowered so much i'm just yelling make it higher yeah Ooh, maybe i'll like add some fun effects to it <laughs> me rattling the bars of my cage <laughs> the sound of a gordon smashing <laughs> what the hell is that sound? <laughs> kind of a wet sound. Yeah, kind of a wet splat. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, if I can find one that isn't gross, I'll put it in here. And if you don't hear a sound effect, it's because I couldn't find a good one. It's not going to be like the opening notes of Luigi as you scream. <laughs> Well, oh, I don't. I don't have um, like copyright access to Wuji. So, what about if Brenna and I sang it in harmony? <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> no. Oh. Yeah, please. I don't know it though. Oh. So I alluded to it earlier, but the epilogue of this fic brought me a lot of joy, personally. Um, toward the end of the fic, as they're coming to terms with all of the memories that they have acquired and reconciling their identities, um, they're like, I wonder if anyone else remembers or will remember. And they're like, ah, like, selfishly, I kind of hope some of them don't, whether it's because they had bad relationships with them in the past or they just had, like, tragic lives and they don't want them to have to remember that. Um, and so the fic ends with chapter four and you think like, okay, no one else remembers and that's probably better to be honest. So in the epilogue, uh, they, Wei Ying is having a conversation with Ni Huaisang, who is just like, it's just a normal conversation. They're just chatting. Um, and then towards the end of the conversation, Wei Ying is like, wait, hold on. Um, and does seem to realize that... Ni Huaisang not only has remembered the entire time, but set up Wei Ying and Lan Zhan at that party all that time ago because they always seemed happier when they were together. And I just really loved that. Like, first, it is absolutely hilarious. Everything that I have read about Ni Huaisang's character in all of these modern AUs that I've read absolutely cracks me up, deeply endearing and just like hilarious. Um, and so him being the mastermind in this fic as well did bring me a lot of joy. Uh, I don't know. I just thought it was such a fun little twist at the end, like a little wink from the author. Mm -hmm. I was like, haha, wink. Yeah. I just liked it. Absolutely. They also find Ayuan again. Yeah. Yeah. That made me really soft. Yeah. So with that, that's our discussion of uh, Living in My Memory, Living in My Mouth by Tardigrade School, a fic that is many things. Um, it is a university AU. It's also a modern cultivation AU. It's also a reincarnation AU. Uh, it's got a lot of flavors um, and I really enjoyed it overall. So um, I hope you did as well listening to this discussion. Um, let's move on. <laughs> My fic this episode is All the Days They Got Short by Remages. It is a fic for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which is the animated movie that came out in 2018. Um, it is Jen. Uh, it is, as I said in the intro, an outsider POV, an OC. Um, we get this fic from Miriam's POV, and Miriam is uh, Peter Parker's graduate advisor. Um, 
this fic is tagged for major character death. Uh, if you've seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, you might be aware that within the first like 20 or so minutes, the quote-unquote, I guess, original Spider-Man, like the Spider-Man that um, most people I think would be familiar with, except like slightly more grown up, a little bit more of the comic Spider-Man, um, he dies and then gets replaced by Miles Morales, who is the Spider-Man of the movie. But yeah, this is a fic uh, from Miriam's POV, so you do get the major character death of him. Um, and the other content warnings I would give are just that this fic is, the whole focus of the fic is about grief and loss and mourning. So if you're not in the mood to read that kind of a fic, uh, this might not be the one for you. Uh, but hopefully the discussion will be if you want to stick around for that. Again, I talked about this a little bit in the intro, but like, I certainly never seek out fic that is outsider POV. I would say that I would maybe avoid it, except I honestly don't come across it that much. Like, I think if I was scrolling through, it's not the first thing I would click on. Um, but like, if I were maybe 10 pages into a tag and I saw it and I was like, uh, I don't know, this summary looks promising, then like, maybe I'd click on it. Um, but I really don't think it's like that common of a trope, or at least not in the fandoms that I'm looking. Um, I cannot think of any other like, OC outsider POV I've seen at least like like this like I'm thinking a little bit of Brenda's like Snowpiercer fic but that was like all OCs so that's different um and I think one of the things that I really really liked about this fic is that with a POV like this you have to do so much more like character establishing work than I think you'd normally have to do because for the most part the premise of fan fiction is like unless you're also on this podcast reading for a copious <laughs> amounts of things where you don't know the source material like you're making the assumption that most of your readers like know your characters coming in. So even if they're in a different setting, you don't have to do that same sort of like work, like here's the basics of like who this character is, um, which you do with a fic like this. And I think this fic does it really, really well, especially given the fact that this fic is just over two and a half K. So it's short um, and it has to like establish Miriam for us like very quickly and it does. And I think it does a really impressive job of it. I think the things it has to say about grief and loss were done in a really poignant and like very human way. Um, I'm definitely gonna get more into that since that is sort of the crux of the fic, but yeah, I think it, I just think it was like very well done. Um, and I guess the thing that I used to avoid about major character death is like, I didn't want to like purposely make myself that sad about a character that I like deeply treasured and loved. Like I was reading fan fiction to read about these characters that I care about, but I think part of this is like, this didn't feel like Wump for the sake of Wump. And also, did I enjoy Peter Parker in Spider-Verse? Yes. Was I, like, super <laughs> attached to him? Because Stan. Yeah, maybe maybe not as much. So I think that maybe also helped with the major character death aspect is just, like, I fully understand why his death was sad, and I think this is a great fic digging into it, but, like, it didn't maybe necessarily feel the same as, like, reading about a major character death for another fandom. But, yeah. Um, before I get into other things that I really liked about this fic, would love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, this is a fic that is now in my AO3 bookmarks. Thank you so much, Reed. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Um, as I have said before, this episode is great for me personally. <laughs> a person whose tastes sometimes clash with those of my co-hosts. It's <laughs> ideal. Um, I absolutely love this fic. This was so up my alley. Um, I think, like, Reed, you alluded to this, but I think it's different, too, like, with major character death when a character has died in the canon and then dies in the fic like it feels like a different impact than if it's like you're just killing a character who was alive um that made me feel less like surprised or like crushed about it as well for that reason i was like yeah he like showed up in the movie like kind of to die and like to be d dead <laughs> you know what i mean though like his 
his image and like his like he's he was someone to look up to and that doesn't work as well if he's like an alive and flawed person um so that sorry that my brain went bury your gaze um as far as we get in the canon peter parker not gay (laughs) as far as we're aware (laughs) but Uh anyway i mean who knows really yeah it's it's impossible to say for sure that is true Um, yeah we can claim him if we want to (laughs) beside the point um i did really love the way that this fic like humanized him and gave us a slice of his life that we definitely did not get from the movie and that we wouldn't normally have gotten from a superhero media whether it's a fic that treats him primarily as spider-man or you know the movie itself or other media that has peter parker in it as there is quite a lot um yeah, I just, I liked it so much. I thought that it did a lot in a short span of time, as we have said about many fics on this podcast. Um, I thought that, yeah, the author was just really, they had a very clear vision, I feel like, of what they wanted this fic to look like. And it, it doesn't, you have to, you have to have a vision if you're going to write outsider POV of an original character for a particular piece of media. Like, I don't think there's a ton of this in that fandom, you know? So I really like appreciated and respected that too, that they knew what they wanted to do and they just went for it completely. Yeah, I enjoyed this. I think I was a little bit less connected to it than my co-hosts, but I think that was just like, I know it wasn't necessarily in the headspace to like be in the feelings that like Miriam is experiencing. So I kind of didn't allow myself to really like feel them with her I I kind of viewed it more from like a little bit of a remove um but I still think like this fic did a lot of things amazingly well I think I just felt a little bit more emotionally distant from it but I don't think that's like a fault of the authors at all I think it's just like how I read it um yeah I think similarly to read like I don't usually go for like outsider POV fix they're not something that I would like normally click on especially when I'm in the mood to like read something shippy then I'm like ah but I want to read their feelings from like their own heads and like you know like so outsider POVs can be great fix and I think I've learned that a lot more through this pod but I do think that they work best for me when I'm not like looking for something that's like a really shippy feeling fix so I think that's one of the reasons this worked for me as well because it's it's not that um I think the other one that I've read that I liked the most I think we talked about it on the pod is the like Astolat Witcher fic that's from Dandelion's POV. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very good. That one really started to change my mind about like outsider POV for a fic that is a ship. Um, so I think, yeah, it's been nice to read more things for the pod uh, and just like open up my mind to like what outsider POV can do for a story. And I'm excited to discuss that more in this one as well. Um, I think in terms of like the major character death aspect, this fic is interesting because Peter who dies is kind of an off-screen major character. Like, he plays a central role in this fic, and obviously he's a major character in the source material as well. But it is different to kind of have a major character death who isn't necessarily, like, the main character's, like, love interest or something like that. Like, I feel like that's kind of where I often think about it. It's like one half of your ship is, like, about to die. And I think that's why I kind of, like, tend to avoid it, because I think a lot of those can feel a little bit, like, gratuitous to me in terms of, like, the emotional, like, attack that they launch on you um so yeah I'm usually like not in a space where I want to go through that although I can understand like why it would be appealing to other people but I'm usually like "Mm, not for me personally so I think these ones that explore like grief and loss in ways where it isn't like you spend 20k of watching like your POV characters like 
love interest, best friend, whatever, like die, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, are a little bit more appealing to me personally. So I also like like this fic in that regard. I think it gave it space to focus more on sort of like how grief looks um, for characters who aren't necessarily like the ones you think of as like closest to your like to the character who's dying. Yeah, I mean, off that, I think it is such an interesting choice to, like, write this fic from, like, Miriam's POV, because what we get of Peter's death in the film is either, like, New York City as a whole mourning the public figure of Spider-Man, right? Like, this hero figure who everyone, or, like, who so many people have, like, he saved my life, or, like, I saw him this way, and, like, he's sort of this, he's a larger-than-life figure, he's a superhero, Or what you get are the people who are super, super close to him. So um, MJ or Aunt May. And Miriam sits like kind of in the middle. So to give you like a quick summary of this fic, uh, just so you know what's going on. Like in the beginning, you get like an interaction between the two of them where um, she runs into Peter like on the quad of campus. um, And he's like leading around a gaggle of like lost freshmen. Um, And she's like, Peter, like, you're going to have that outline to me by Friday, right? And he's like, absolutely. And in her head, she's like, yeah, okay, like, I've heard that one before. Um, And then she goes to an art gallery with like a bunch of other professors. And on the way back, like something kind of weird happens, which if you watch Spider-Verse, like you know that there's a lot of interdimensional stuff happening Um, and goes on the news and sees that Spider-Man is dead. And then her wife comes back and consoles her. And that is pretty much the whole fic um like i said it's it's short um but like miriam is someone who clearly knew peter really well like she i it implies i think that she's seen him through undergrad and like they've been working together on his grad thesis that you know she was like it's gonna take him 40 years to, sh- to complete like why is he so late to everything and then she's like now i understand why peter was absent for so much or why he couldn't meet a deadline or whatever um and i just think this fic has something so interesting to say about I don't know, like, when you know someone, even if you know them very well, like, you know them in one specific aspect, and even if you might hear about other parts of their life, like, you are not around for all of them, typically, and there are so many people that, like, your life might intersect with or that you might have a certain relationship with that, like, people very close to you might not know anything about, and this is sort of one of those, like, of course Peter would have had so many other people who knew him well and who cared about him that we would never get to see, and, like, why shouldn't this be one of them? Um, yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was a very interesting choice to make and one that it did well. Yeah, I loved this college AU personally. <laughs> uh, I wasn't about to be like, so this university AU. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, jokes. Uh, based on what you were just saying though, Reed, I do think like, I think quite often about how, I think for good reason, Fick tends to make the POV character's world a bit smaller socially than I think most people's worlds in life. Um, even just in terms of like often, I don't know, not naming like extended relatives or like worrying about their interaction whatsoever in a character's life or like at school or at work or something. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm just extremely popular, but I feel like I know a lot more people than I would if someone like wrote a fic about me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. Which using to name too many characters and like small little bit parts throughout like a 20 or less, you know, like word fic, so... Yeah, no, it makes complete sense that you would focus more on the closer relationships and develop those, et cetera, et cetera. I just love the way that this fic opened up Peter's world like that. 
because we would not have gotten much or any really probably of Miriam, but especially like Elaine or like some of the other like freshmen if this fic had been about Peter dying from his side. Um, so I did really like that it gave us a glimpse at this really big extended world of like, I mean, obviously a Spider-Man, he had a ripple on everything. And we see that even in Miriam's life. But as Peter Parker, he had a really big ripple as well. And so I really liked that the outsider POV highlighted that and implied quite a lot more outside of just the scope of the fic itself. Yeah, I think similarly to what you were saying, Nick, one of the things I think this fic does really well is like open up the multitude of kind of ways that Peter has impacted Miriam's life and like Elaine's as well. Um, like there's sort of the straightforward, like Peter and her were in academia together, like all of that kind of stuff, like your straightforward main interaction with this person. But it's interesting to watch the kind of layered effect that Peter and then Spider-Man had on both of their lives. Like the sort of like emotional punch scene in this, or like one of them is uh, Miriam realizing that like a day that she was kind of particularly cruel to Peter was because Elaine had been like injured by this monster that was attacking the city and she had been saved by Peter, but she's like in the ICU and Miriam's obviously going through it because it's hard to have your partner in the ICU. And she kind of yells at Peter about this like nothing problem um and is now looking back on it and feeling wretched um i should probably just to clarify you said she was saved by peter saved by spider-man who is peter but like just for thank you (laughs) mostly yeah so the miriam at the time was like spider-man saved my partner right right, peter parker my grad student can't hand anything in on time and i'm gonna yell at him for it yes thank you um yeah so it's just sort of this moment of her realizing like oh shit like i i didn't actually just know Peter Parker, my grad student, in this one capacity, but, like, he's been all these other people in our life, too, and, like, in, in like, affected our life in all these other ways, like, living in the city that, like, he was Spider-Man in. Um, and I thought that uh, aspect was just handled really well. Yeah, and I think off of that, like, I mentioned this a little bit, but I, I just think the way that this fic portrays grief and mourning felt, again, so deeply human and relatable in a way that is like I don't know I mean I think everyone grieves differently and like what that might look like in your life can can be very different but the emotional core I guess of this fic resonated with me even if my exact experiences did not mirror Miriam's um and sort of in in what Brenna was just saying when Miriam was thinking about that time that she had yelled at Peter I do think it's a pretty common thing especially when you lose someone very unexpectedly to sort of think back on all the what have, should have, could have's. Um, and I was actually thinking about, as I was reading this fic, um, if folks have listened to The Adventure Zone Balance, they might be familiar. This is a very popular quote. Um, but one of the characters disappears um, and is missing for a very long time and nobody knows where she went. And um, Griffin, as the narrator, says, When someone leaves your life, those exits are not made equal. Some are beautiful and poetic and satisfying. Others are abrupt and unfair, but most are just unremarkable, unintentional, clumsy. And yeah, I mean, I think that just speaks to like, most often you don't get to know the exact moment when someone will leave your life, whether that is through death or through something else. Um, You don't get to have those sort of picture perfect goodbyes, but you are left with sort of all of the memories of the way that that person impacted you. And the way that Miriam was processing that is just something that, yeah, really resonated with me. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think 
it was said earlier by either Reed or Brenna. It wasn't me. Um, <laughs> but this fic, <laughs> I don't remember who, um, that this fic is not like, it doesn't have sadness in it for the sake of making the reader sad. Um, it's not gratuitous and it doesn't like, I've said this many times, but I think there is a perception that all major character death fic is like, just wump and meant to make you feel like horrible and awful and bad in your heart and I don't think that has to be true and I think this fic is an example of that of like seeing something that people go through and that like many of us have been touched by in our lives and feeling like yeah this is a relatable experience in the fic Miriam thinks about other people who have been um, in her life um, and somewhat peripheral but like in her life that have died and the way that that's hit her and how, like, you you don't get used to it, and, like, what kind of a person would even really be able to get used to it is the way that she thinks about it. Um, and so, yeah, I just think this fic did a really good job at, like, looking at something that, like, we don't often want to look at, but that is such a big part of, like, the real world and life and being in the world. Um, yeah, and just really brought that forward in a handful of moments. Like, I think it was a really skilled way to bring forward those emotions that like this fic didn't make me very sad and like I I liked that about it it is a sad fic um but I think more than anything I was just impressed by the way that the emotions in it were handled yeah I think also just speaking to sort of the both the skill and the and the relatability of this fic um a bit that really stood out to me is right before Miriam turns on the news and sees that Peter has died she is about to make dinner um, and she takes some green beans out to thaw, and then as she's sort of, like, sitting in shock, processing the news, like, a part of her brain absently thinks, like, the green beans are thawing and she's gonna have to put them back in the freezer or they're gonna go bad. And that is something that, like, really stood out to me because, like, I absolutely know the feeling of just being in something awful or having awful feelings and your brain catching on something so mundane, like, almost laughable in how unimportant it is in that moment, but, like, you feel almost, like, distanced and, like, out of your body and it's, like... You're trying to process what is going on and yeah, all of these little like sort of, I guess, irrelevant thoughts are going through. And that felt also like, again, back to like the sort of very human <laughs> experience of the whole fic. But yeah, I do agree that like, I felt deeply reading this fic, but like, I I didn't feel like grieving sad, which I think is a really interesting balance to strike with a fic like this. One last thing I wanted to shout out is um, there is a line... Um, because Miriam, like, doesn't want to go to sort of the, like, memorial service for Spider-Man. Um, and the fix says, Spider-Man is too big, too much, an ideal too large for any grave to hold. And it actually made me think about the other Spider-Verse fic that we brought on the pod. At symbol, hey, it's Spider-Man, all one word, it is a media fic. But towards the end of that fic, there is sort of a bunch of, like, little notes and stuff that are left at Peter's grave. Um, and I was just thinking about how both of these fics, I think, touch on... This one, a little bit less so, but still touches on sort of, like, yeah, the monumental figure that, like, Spider-Man was and that Peter Parker was and, like, all of the infinite little ways that he's intersected with people's lives um, and the lasting impact he has. And that was nice, too. I don't know. I liked having that connection there as I was reading. Yeah, so I think that is our discussion on all the days they got short. Um, definitely got points for Outsider POV only maybe got points for major character death but regardless um a very lovely fic uh would definitely recommend if it sounds like something you'd be in the mood for
My pick for this episode is Paint by Numbers by BayHJ2915, and it is a fic for Critical Role Campaign 1. It is grog-centric, and it is set after the entirety of the events of Campaign 1. That is about 400 hours of content, so spoiler horns abound. Uh, <laughs> beep, beep, like, beep, beep, beep. If you want to catch up, like you probably can't just like pause the episode and go catch up and then like, come back really quick. <laughs> Yeah, I'm come back just a long you know. time from now. We'll I see guess. you later. Bye. <laughs> Have fun. Have fun. Let me know how you like it. Okay, no. Um, I do love campaign one, though. Those are my kids. Anyway, um, it is set after the events of the campaign and during the events of the epilogue where they all describe, like, the rest of their lives as characters, pretty much. Um, so in this fic, Grog is living with Pike and Scanlan, who canonically did get together. Um, in the epilogue. Good for them. We're very happy for them. And uh, the little trio is the little family, basically. And then Pike and Scanlan are like, we're having a baby. That's basically the fic. Um, <laughs> there's like other stuff to it. Um, but that is the bulk of it. It is really sweet. It, I thought it had a really interesting and thoughtful grog POV, uh, which there is not a lot of in that fandom. And I think that's understandable. I think he's difficult to get right. Um, and I just really liked the look at where everyone is at after the campaign. Um, I'll talk more about why I thought that this trope, uh, which domestic fluff, family, pregnancy, kid fic if you squint, um, why all of those <laughs> things I think actually like worked for me really well in this context with this fandom and this source material. Um, but overall, I just thought it was really lovely. In terms of content warnings for this fic, I think the main one is just that pregnancy is a pretty major component in it. Pike is pregnant uh, and she talks about it and then she has a kid <laughs> and they talk about her having a kid. There's like childbirth. None of it is super graphic and I don't like as someone who does very much avoid that trope generally and also like just isn't super interested in like reading about or in, in, engaging with media around pregnancy, like it didn't really squeak me out or anything. So. That's my little disclaimer, but that's the main content warning, and then just, like, it's after the events of Campaign 1, canonically, so. Canon typical content warnings, but it's pretty lighthearted. Alright, so that's the kind of introduction for my fic, and I would love to hear what Brenna thought about it. <laughs> just, <laughs> just Brenna? <laughs> well, you maybe later. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this, uh... I think similarly to Nick, I don't really go in for like domestic kind of curtainy fic a lot. Um, I don't mind elements of it for sure, but like sort of when that's the general focus, like a fluffy domestic fic, not usually a, like a immediate click for me. Um, yeah, I don't know that I can even say that I've read any other fic with like pregnancy as a major focus. Um, I mean, I've definitely consumed media with pregnancy as a focus, but like I not necessarily fan fiction. Um, I wouldn't say, like, the concept of pregnancy, like, squicks me out, but, like, you know, like, medical stuff, not necessarily my favorite to read about, and, like, childbirth kind of squicks me out, so uh, definitely kind of avoid things that really dive into that. Like, even in a TV show, someone's going to labor, it's like a click, click, click. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you when you have that baby in your arms. Like, I'll see you in a moment. <laughs> so I appreciated that this fic also kind of did that for me. Um, like, we weren't really, like, too in the nitty gritty with, like, Pike's medical aspects of her pregnancy. Um, yeah, I will say this could just have been a misunderstanding on my part. Um, I feel like 
I thought this was going to be more kid fic than like it kind of was. It, I mean, it's a fic that revolves around the concept of like them having a kid and like that's a big conversation point. It's a big sort of like change in their dynamic with like Grog who's living with them and like there's a lot of like kind of on the like found family. What does it mean to add someone more to like our found family in that regard too? Um, so yeah, I think in that regard, I I like yes, it it involves like having a kid. Um, I tend to really like kid fic these days. Uh, I used to really not at all, and then like more recent fandoms kind of changed my mind about it. I do tend to like it most when like the kid is canonically there like I really like untamed kid fic like with Ayuan and stuff but I also like fic where it's like oh and now these two men have to take care of a baby (laughs) (laughs) I don't know I find it charming so um yeah I think like I would have also enjoyed this if it was continued on even more um into like them raising the little kid and stuff um but that's not a critique of the author. It's just, like, if we're talking about tropes we do and don't like, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of, like, domestic fluff, but I do like kid fic, weirdly. So, <laughs> I don't know. You know. Um, yeah, I think, like, again, in this, like, this also kind of had elements of, like, outsider POV for me because it's, like, we're in Grog's head, but so much of it is about, like, the change of, like, Pike and Scanlan having this baby. But Grog's also very, in like... It's not as much an outsider POV, uh, because, like, it's his sort of family unit that's going through this change. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I think what I liked a lot about it was it wasn't just about, like, a couple settling down and, like, building a house and, like, kind of domestic curtain-y things. It was very much about, like, Grog learning more about, like, family and, like, himself and his role in, like all of it. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. It was really sweet, but in like a good way in like a little like, oh, like heart clenching kind of way, which yeah, I liked a lot. Reed, what did you think? Thank you, Brenna, for asking, since it didn't seem like Nick valued my opinion on this week at all. Reed, I'm desperate to know your thoughts. No, you don't need to pander to me now. It is too late. (laughs) I can't wait to hear all of your thoughtful opinions on this fic. You always say nice things. Mm Mm-hmm. I, so what I was going to say is, and again, I need to slap like a huge disclaimer that this is so very much like a personal thing, personal preference. I have been sitting here like unintentionally making faces. Um, p- pregnancy in any form is like such a hard no for me. Uh, <laughs> no, th- no thanks. No thanks. Fic, media, etc. J- like other media, n- just, mm, it's not for me personally. That all being said, um, I at no point was I like squicked out or anything by this fic. Um, I think especially like because it was like Grog's POV, I <sighs> putting on my little clown hat again, doing a similar little, little jingle dance that I did at the beginning of Brenna's fic discussion where I had a similar experience of I was like, I know things about campaign one of Crit Roll. And I do. I like Nick once like trapped me yes. in her car and like made me watch the 20 minute scene of mm-hmm. beep, 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 at the end of campaign one. Yeah. Honestly, it's a very accurate description. I was like, look at this. <laughs> yeah. I started <laughs> and then crying I watched about character. I didn't know. I like, I know That's so amazing. many more things about campaign one now than I did then. Like I knew almost nothing about the characters. And you were like, do you want to watch this person die? And I went, well, I'm in your car and you've locked the door, so I guess. Um, anyway, we, the three of us, uh, and some friends watched the Search for Grog live show, but Grog is not there for most of it because he's trapped in a little crystal. Neither of those sources were particularly helpful, but I 
do still think I have a pretty good grasp on like grog. Um, Nick, I can't remember if you mentioned this, but perhaps part of the reason that people don't write a lot of grog POV is because he has a six intelligence score, which in D&D means minus two, um, which for people who don't play D&D, like having minus anything is like pretty tough. Um, and I do think there's definitely something to be said for, uh, I guess the, the meta of stats, like how you might play like a low intelligence, but like high wisdom character. Grog is neither of those things. He's not high wisdom, but like, he's very strong. <laughs> but like usually like for like spell casting and stuff, you usually like put into one or the other. Mm. So people, anyway, this is irrelevant D&D stuff, but I do think it's interesting how people will choose to portray a character, like to lean in or to not lean into those stats. And I think both things are totally valid. But as far as I understand, Travis leaned pretty hard into that minus two intelligence. Um, and so I do think with a fic like this, uh, I think it could be very difficult to write a grog POV without it seeming infantilizing, to be honest. Um, and I don't know how pleased Nick is going to be about this, but like, I was thinking <laughs> once again mm, about the Sherlock about fic. John Locke. Yeah, yeah, well. Classic read. Mm, yes, that's me. Just <laughs> thinking about John Locke all day long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, pull that sound <laughs> we're gonna pull that yeah we're pulling that clip yep um no i mean i was thinking about the sherlock fic that we brought uh for our super hulock episode where john is like at one point sort of slowly losing his intellectual ability and i we talked about it in that episode too i think it can be difficult to write that sort of a thing to find that balance of like sort of being true i guess the narrative in this case of grog's low intelligence score and also again like making him, like, a fully realized character. And, like, he has his own moments in the fic fully where he's like, I'm not dumb, I just think different. Or, like, sometimes my thoughts don't stay the same way. Like, he thinks about numbers in a different way, but it's it's not like he is not aware of what's going on and things like that. Um, so I just think this fic did a really good job of, um, yeah, of, like, handling that POV. And I did, I did like it. The thing I was going to say also about my little clown hat about not knowing campaign one thing is that I thought Pike Lynn was sort of implied, but I didn't actually think they canonically <laughs> got together. Also had literally no idea Grog lived with them. Um, so those were two very fun things to find out were both canon. Um, I think it's very cute and it was very fun to read about. The spell on their house is also canon, that the downstairs is like very tall and the upstairs is very small uh, so that he can live downstairs, but the two gnomes can live upstairs, which is extremely cute and I'm very fond. Oh yeah, maybe for like the non-D&D, non like non-crit role folks, um, Grog is a goliath and is quite tall. Large, large What, guy. like eight, nine feet? I don't know. Tall. Uh, gnomes, we, quite short. We can't short. go down another height rabbit hole. <laughs> we can't do it. No, but just to say like, very tall gnomes very short um canonically so yeah um i just really love this fic i think critical role is one of those fandoms where there's so much source content um there's just so much and what i've read is predominantly like fic for campaign one um i like campaign two those characters don't have my heart in the same way i think like i do love them but campaign one first. i'm sorry i do love them i just like oh campaign one was so much and like I think I watched it at a time that like I really needed something very absorbing um just like emotionally um and boy when there's four hour episodes you can just go and go and go and go um but I think for me one of the reasons that this really works for me is that campaign one leaves off on such a bittersweet note um like they are all crying in the finale all of them at the table and so am um, i in nick's cart you know me too it's fine yeah. 
Exactly. Um, and like, there's really nice moments that come out of it, but, um, there's also these notes of like, dang, like this story didn't end completely happily for everybody. Um, and I think that makes it really great. And that's one of the reasons I really love campaign one, but I think that also makes me more inclined to read and enjoy fic that gives us happy moments in the future of like, hey, like they had this really bittersweet thing, this really tragic thing happened with all of them. But, you know, years in the future, like you can pick up those pieces and make something really beautiful. Um, And so knowing all of and like witnessing all of the hardship that they went through made me really enjoy this fic that felt like such a breather and that felt so earned like not just by the author but by the campaign itself like the source felt like it really earned this happy uncomplicated ending not ending but you know like moment in their lives where they can have something that's really nice and there's still shadows there um pike scanlan and grog all have hang-ups about family and about parenthood and about what that means i mean classic D character very few of them have positive family relationships um And I think that really helped, too, to balance this fic for me, um, where ultimately, yeah, it came out very fluffy and like very sweet and very soft and they're all very happy. But that's not the only thing. And I think having the edges of the hardships that they've been through and the baggage that they have made it even better that it was overall like a really nice fic. Yeah, I think one thing I really liked about this, and and it goes off a lot of the points that we've already talked about, is, yeah, Grog is a character with this, like, canonical low intelligence score there's a lot of things he doesn't really understand and like in this fic doesn't really understand like his brain just doesn't seem to work in the same way sometimes and like doesn't he doesn't quite grasp like the passage of time very well and some things like that um like they keep telling him how long until like they have the baby and it's just not clicking he's like i want the baby to be here now and they're like this is not (laughs) how it works But there's other things that he's very good at. And I think this fic makes a point to kind of have the other characters say that to him too. But one of the scenes I really liked was when he was thinking about like parents and family and like, he's like, I don't really get it. But then like by the end of the paragraph, he's sort of like, okay, maybe I do get it more. And I think like through a lot of this, we get to see like Grog's more like emotionally intelligent side and like his interactions with Scanlan and Pike show like how well he knows them and like how well he understands like their little family dynamic essentially. Um, I mean, I think like D&D is about adventure and monsters and fighting and magic, but it's also about found family <laughs> as a game. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, like, you make all these little characters, and oftentimes they don't know each other already, and then they go on all these adventures, and then they care about each other deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that's the game, so... <laughs> um, I think, like, that's a big part of this fic, is, like, Grog learning how families like grow and change together um and i just liked that like even though there's a lot of things that just kind of go over his head uh in terms of like logistics and stuff in this fic uh the actual like emotional beats are things that he deals with really well and is really tuned into and connected to um and yeah i thought that was really lovely and like a good balance for him as a character especially in these like happier calmer modes calmer moments where he's not like raging yeah like his character canonically yeah i mean like on the thing about emotional intelligence that you were just saying brent i think one of my favorite scenes is where 
Um, Pike realizes she's killed some plants and she's really Mm -hmm. upset about it. And Grog is like, why are you upset? And she's basically like, if I can't even take care of plants, like, how am I going to take care of a baby? And, you know, as a reader, it's like, yes, I, I totally understand, especially when she's like so, like, she's pretty close at that point to the baby being born. And I understand, like, having all these fears. But Grog is like, he's like, in his head, he's like, it is the stupidest thing he's ever heard Pike say. And he's like, it is not because I'm thinking about this wrong. It's because Pike is being stupid. And he was like, he's like, a plant is a plant, but a baby is like the same thing as you. Like, and you take care of all of us, like your your existing family being the Vox Machina. I almost said the Mighty Nine. Your existing family, wow, Vox Machina. Wow, too biased, we see. Okay, read. One of these campaigns I've watched hundreds of hours for. One of these campaigns I've watched like 20 minute YouTube clips for. So, um, anyway. Yeah, Grog is basically like, you take care of me so well, you take care of all of us so well. Like, I think it's absurd that because a couple plants died, you can't take care of this baby. And it doesn't invalidate, like, Pike's fears, but it is very much that emotional depth and Grog, like, knowing Pike so well. Um, Yeah, I thought it was just very, very sweet. Yeah, and I would say, too, that that kind of uh, emotional intelligence is something that we do see in canon as well from Grog. Um, he's a lot more likely to have the right thing to say in an emotional conversation than he is to, like, solve a math problem. Um, and so I appreciated that the author really showed, like, there are different ways to be smart, and Grog is just, like, doing his thing, cruising along. Um, I found, I honestly really liked all of the characterization in this fic. Um, I thought that the Pike and Scanlan were both excellent as well. Um, in canon, they all have pretty complicated family relationships, like I said earlier. Scanlan, in particular, it's, like, kind of a mess. Uh, well, actually, okay, Pikes is worse, but we're not gonna worry about that. (laughs) Um, because I did want to talk a little bit about the baby's name and how that ties into canon. Um, so, again, spoilers for campaign one of Critical Role, um, but there's a moment at which Sam, who is the voice actor who plays Scanlan, um, has Scanlan leave and comes back as a new character. And when he has Scanlan leave, he, there were a lot of factors going into it. Um, there is a storyline there around like addiction. Um, there's also just a lot of moments that are very challenging. Sam was not at one of the, um, filmings for one of the episodes and so stuff happened with Scanlan then too it's all very complicated but one of the things that he said when he was having this like breakdown uh, is Scanlan asks the entire group like what is my mother's name we've been traveling together for so long like my mother like died when I was very young like most important thing like most impactful thing that's ever happened to me what's her name Uh, Which, like, wild moment on a canon level, on a meta level to the other players who are improving and trying to deal with this happening. Uh, But the relevance of this story, first, is that Scanlan doesn't really have parents to look up to at all. And has a lot of fear around, like, his child losing him the way he lost his parents. Um, And then B, his mother's name is Juniper, which everyone who has watched the campaign probably remembers by now (laughs) because it was such a huge moment and that is actually what they end up naming the baby in this fic so that's the reference if you read the fic and didn't know that i don't know i don't think you would have really been able to catch the nuances of it from the fic it's funny i did actually write um that like i would like to once again shout out campaign one writers for giving me intense emotions about things i don't fully know the context for um, I say once again, I was thinking about a fic that I've referenced on the pod, but we haven't talked about that is like that I read the, what I knew literally nothing about campaign one. Um, but yes, I, I picked up enough to know it was like related to his mom. I didn't know if it was exactly his mom's name or not. So that definitely hits it home harder. 
I think they do talk about that in the fic a little bit when he brings uh, the cot home that has juniper flowers on it. Um, But yeah, it's not fully like explained, so. And there wouldn't really be a reason for this author to do that. (laughs) Um, I do, okay, let me just like briefly be on my campaign to BS again. Um, Mm. I do think it's funny. Well, okay, so this fic was written in 2017 um, and one of the lines when Grog is sort of like thinking about parents and parenthood is he says like, he didn't know why not having a mother seemed to only bother Keyleth a little bit. And my comment that I wrote to myself is a 3 user BayJ2915, I hope you lost your gourd if you watched campaign two and found out about yes. Vilia. Um, I did, uh, in an uncharacteristic move for me, I did take a brief pause from reading this to go watch like a 10 minute <laughs> compilation of when they find Keyleth's mother what? in campaign two. It was- oh My God, you- well, I, I don't normally break from reading a middle of a fic for things like that. <laughs> if it's for research, sure. maybe that was not research. That was me just indulging myself. But um, yeah, I just thought that, I don't know. It was, <sighs> we've talked about this before with Critical Role fic, but I always find it fascinating when you're writing about a canon that is sort of like living. And in this case, the canon of campaign one was done. And yet like still there managed to be like tie-ins to campaign two. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which I love. So that was our discussion of Paint by Numbers, which is a critical role, grog-centric fic for campaign one um, that I just really love. It was really fun to revisit it and get to read it again a lot more removed from campaign one. The first time I read it was very soon after I finished watching the campaign. So um, it was cool to come back to these characters and to this world and specifically to like the canon verse of campaign one. So really glad I got to bring it and that I got to talk about it with my two co-hosts. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of FicClick. If you'd like to find us other places on the internet, you can find us on Twitter or Tumblr at FicClick. You can speak to us in long form by sending us an email at ficklickpod at gmail.com. Um, you can find us in our Discord server, which is linked on our Twitter and is a delightful time. Lots of conversation about fic, fandom, pets, plants, a lot of things going on there. We do also have merchandise that you can purchase if you would like to. There's a lot of fun stuff there, like some stickers and mugs and stuff. You can go look and see. Um, Our Redbubble is linked on our Twitter, and the merch was designed by our very own Brenna and also friend of the pod, Tiffany. And you can find more of her stuff at tiffanylarsondesign.com if you want to support her individually as well. If you would like to communicate with us by a even sort of less direct means, you could write us a review on Apple Podcasts or if another podcast site of your choice allows reviews. Uh, we love hearing about them and um, they really help us grow the pod. We are still a small pod and grow mostly via word of mouth. So any support in that regard really helps us out. You can also give us a retweet on Twitter or tell your friends, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, we love it. Go to the side of a cliff and scream about fit click and see if any of the boats can hear you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Make a flag. Oh, Make a flag. Yeah. <laughs> Fly it on your boat that you have. Yes. Yeah. So next episode, which will be coming out August 20th, um, we don't have a theme, just our regular three picks. Um, Brenna, what are you bringing for next episode? Yeah, so my pick for next time is called Anamnesis by Cenotaphy. It's a supernatural fic. It is Cass Dean. It's um, sort of a fix it for the end of season 15, but it's a lot of just like kind of the whole team as well. Um, 
with a with a new fun exciting ending that's not the one they gave us in canon <laughs> so look forward to that uh, reed what's your pick my pick is felicitous by among lilies it is for fire emblem three houses we're back in reed's video game corner i'm delighted to be here and once again it is for felix sylvain um it's a western au apparently i just love to bring AUs for this fandom um nick what's your pick so my pick for next episode is called Now You Have to Let Me Go, Four Dreams in a Row by AO3 user Not Spring. It is a fic for Seventeen Band, which is a K-pop group. Um, the pairing is complicated. It surrounds the 95 line, uh, but I, I'm not going to get into the details of that. Go look up the fic if you want to know. Um, it is a Veronica Mars AU noir high school murder mystery, and I'm very Whoa. excited. Yes. Three very different fics. Uh, make for an interesting <laughs> yeah. episode, I think. Yep, and three very different hosts make for a great fic click. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Oh, gross. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>